0: Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast. Really excited to be here for this special series uh, for Giving Tuesday. And look, we started this podcast a while back um, with the sole mission and purpose of giving back and, you know, providing advice, insights to those that are in the industry that want to get into the industry. Um, And today I'm joined by some esteemed colleagues uh, and Katie Cash from LA28, she's the director of commercial development and innovation for the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic properties Um, for everything Team USA and LA28. I'm joined by Mika Morris, the chief revenue officer of the Minnesota Twins, Gerard Littlejohn, uh, director of social impact and partnerships for GMR, and nonetheless, the infamous uh, Patrick Stack uh, of everything sports biz camps. but. In all all reality, you know, we were joking about Pat and I being in NSF before the world shut down in Atlanta, recording uh, one of our only live episodes uh, in, in some random conference room. And, you know, I think back to that point in time, Pat, and I'll let you take the mic here real quick, just of like, think back to that episode and then think back to where you are now. Um, and, and just all of the growth that's happened, the, the fantastic people that you've gotten involved in sports biz camps, um, and, and we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jake. Yeah, I remember that there was people like trying to come into the conference room. We were like sh- sh- shooing them out as we we're trying to record stuff. Um, yeah, that was, that was February 2020, which I know is, is less than two years ago, but I think in terms of like dog years for all of us um, and in our industry obviously it's um, feels like a lot longer ago so uh, sports biz Camps at that time was built around helping high school students explore career opportunities in sports and a lot of that was rooted in our personal experience so i'm one of three co-founders and we knew that we loved sports but we didn't know that we could have careers in sports until maybe we were in college or even post-college And the only way that we really learned that was through someone lending us their social capital or someone that we knew who knew someone that was working in the sports industry, giving us a shot. So our our whole goal was to try to have that collision, if you will, happen earlier on in the process for for kids in high school and to happen for anyone, regardless of if they were fortunate enough to, to go to a certain school or live in a certain community or have, in my case, my best friend's dad be in the business. So it was meant to kind of create opportunities for people outside of what were the traditional like. You got to know someone to get in. Um, so that was pre-COVID-19. And obviously, we've we've been able to stay afloat for the last couple of years and been able to add amazing people to our organization, such as Mika and Gerard, who are here today in the role of, of um, members of our board of directors. Um, and we've been able to pivot um, in terms of putting on virtual programming uh, and be really much more intentional with what we're doing in terms of the, the same goal, which was to help students explore and achieve opportunities in sports, but also you know, I think at the time we were there was an element of diversity equity inclusion in what we were doing because we were trying to be intentional about who we we're bringing to the table trying to make it free for everyone and ensure that that we could make an inclusive group there was that was there and that intent was there but I don't know that we were as um transparent about that being our goal and I think what happened in 2020 um clearly made that more important. And, and we now are much more transparent saying that we want to help students that otherwise didn't get access to careers in sports. And we're still going to do that. But in the process, we believe that we play a critical role in accomplishing what we all want, and particularly the folks on this call, because I'm looking at some friends of our program here and creating a more equitable and inclusive sports industry. So really excited to be here today. Can't believe that it's been two years and I, I left my previous job, and now this is my full-time job to do that can't believe that we were even convening in person at a a conference Um, and really excited to be here today and to have two folks um, with our team that are helping push us forward. So thanks again for the opportunity.
2: So my question is actually for those two other folks. So for Mika and Gerard, I mean, other than having, obviously one of the co-founders that I think is one of the most charismatic human beings I've ever met and the mission is a no brainer. I'd kind of love to know like when you got involved, why you got involved and, and what your role on the board is looking like these days.
3: Well, I, I'll, I'll go first. Um, again, Gerard, Little John. Um, I've known Pat for, man, what, 10 years, something like that. Um, yeah. I, I, was working at, I was working at Lowe's in sports marketing. Um, and so he and I met through, through a mutual friend that said, hey, you guys need to be connected. We didn't really, we didn't work. Pat was working more on the strategy side. I was clearly more uh, on the, at that time, you know, kind of sponsorship side and so we uh, grabbed lunch one day and I think even after that it might have been another year or so before we really got reconnected and he shared with me just kind of his background and where he grew up in Ohio and you know how sports was so critical in his life and then I shared with him kind of my journey and how sports has been critical in my life and in that story I started sharing with him of I came up in a single parent home and grew up outside of Charlotte in a, in a little town called Lexington that probably looks like a lot of other towns where you have, you know, a, a lot of folks who from a mobility standpoint, if you're if you're born poor, you know, you, you typically stay poor. And so that's that's what I saw coming up. And you didn't see examples of people. I don't even want to talk about working in sports. I'll get to that. But you didn't even see examples of people working in corporate America, working at banks, working at, working in, you know, fintech, like all these different things that, that is so normalized now, you had no idea. It it, it was a small factory town. And so I just shared with him kind of my journey. And I've been able to work in sports from working in the NBA with the Charlotte Hornets to, as I mentioned, working in Lowe's, working in Dick's Sporting Goods, you know, in in marketing roles, working with an, an athlete's foundation, I mean, I've been able to run the gambit, but I had no freaking idea that there was an entire industry in sports until I was well into my 20s, uh, an in, doing an internship with. At that point in time, they were the Charlotte Bobcats. We know them as the Charlotte Hornets now, but having no earthly idea that any of this stuff existed, um, I, I remember watching basketball games. I mean, I'm, I'm a I'm a I'm a 80s baby, so you you watch you you watch the Bulls in the early 90s, you watch Michael Jordan and you know, Charles Barkley score off and, and they may do their post-game interviews. And I thought everyone went home. I had I had no idea again, I'm telling you, I had no idea that this was a thing. I had no idea that there was human resources departments or Mika's role where she's a chief revenue officer or there's marketing and design. No clue. And so for me to be able to have this career in sports and for Pat to share with me, hey, here's what I wanna do. At that point in time, he had kind of matriculated into into higher ed and and was seeing it in person and was dealing with students. And for them to put a stake in the ground and say, hey, we wanna expose and provide a pathway for kids to see themselves differently. and And then the icing on the cake was to, how do we diversify this industry that oftentimes we see ourselves when i say ourselves I'm a, I'm a i'm a black man we see ourselves on playing fields but it's very rarely that you see you know us in front offices on, on on staffs um that that becomes a rarity so how do we create an on-ramp for that to happen i was all in because the stories that he was telling me i largely saw myself in and he's invited me to speak at johnson and wells a number of times and every time I'll meet someone new and take them under my wing or provide my story because it's all relatable. And so I, I've been involved really since the inception. He mentioned there's three co-founders. I'm nowhere near a co-founder. But I've been tied to the mission for quite a long time because it's really important to me because I know that you know at some point in time, we may be able to find the next Gerard, the next Mika, the next whomever. Um, and providing these pathways is, is one way to do that.
2: That's
4: awesome. Well, what about you, Mika? Well, I mean, who wants to go after Gerard? Sure. Um, but um, I echo everything that he said. And while I think we've had probably um, similar yet, yet different paths, I think at some point when you get to a certain level in your career, um, and even early on, although you may not have the resources to, to do so, you, you find yourself having a responsibility beyond the job itself. And there is so such a disparity, as as Gerard alluded to, with people of color and women in the world of sports. And and sitting in the seat that I'm I sit in, I have a, an obligation and a moral compass that points towards this mission. Before I even you know encountered sports sports biz camps, um, and, and met Pat, which I have known him far uh, less time than. Than Gerard, but he has been no less impactful to me. And where I'm trying to ensure that I leave, you know, sports and the, and and my legacy in sport um, for for people who look like me. And let's be right about it, you know, to get your foot in the door in this industry requires, um, requires in some cases a huge sacrifice, and a sacrifice for communities um, and underserved communities is a whole different ball of wax than some of our counterparts. And to, to get an internship at the Charlotte Bobcats now, Charlotte Hornets, which um, is a stop on, on my road too, and to be able to pay for that if you're a kid from inner city Chicago or Miami, and to afford to, to move to a city and have an internship that's you know paying but not paying enough to sort of fund your, your life, is isn't a sacrifice or an opportunity a lot of people who look like me can afford. So how do we create a world that educates um, folks about careers in sports, um, and also provide them a platform by which to get into those jobs, you know, in a way that is meaningful and appropriate for them, um, which frankly um, hasn't and and didn't exist and and certainly didn't when I started in this business and I was fortunate enough to have a family that could offset the delta but I was the only black person in at that time in the business in the area that I was in and I think partly because I could sort of make up the difference so to speak so I think I just feel this fundamental responsibility um, to help out where I can to, to not only educate you know, young women and young people of color on the business of sports, but also provide opportunities for them to get in this business um, at a, in a way that is, that is appropriate um, and, and doable, frankly, um, for, for those communities.
2: I mean, you mentioned briefly at the beginning, but I think it's important to reiterate the amount of work on both of your plates, the responsibilities that you have, Gerard, I believe you're also a dad, like, there's no lack of, um, you know, busy schedules on this call. So I just applaud and thank everyone for like giving back. And I think that, you know, when you talk about it as a responsibility to continue kind of paying it forward, I would imagine that you've once been a beneficiary of someone giving back, right? Was it time, advice, as you say, of put in the door? Um, and I'd love to know, like, who left that impact in your life, and what has kind of made that um, philanthropic, uh, you know, desire, I guess, for, for you to move forward and do the same for others.
4: You, you know, go ahead, Gerard, you start. No, you go. You 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 you, you go going. Um, I was just going to quickly say, you know, n- nobody can do this alone. Um, and for anyone who, who who sort of gleans that as much, they're wrong. Somebody somewhere has helped you out along the way. And the the difficult thing for people like me is oftentimes it's somebody who isn't naturally gravitating towards you, because let's be right about it, they're probably not a woman and they're probably not Black. And so it's hard sometimes to get sort of that that visibility and recognition from other people who wanna invest in you, because typically we gravitate towards people who are comfortable, people who are like us, come from where we come from, share same ideals, share same history. And that's hard to find in this industry, but I will say the most poignant example I have of somebody who who took me under their wing and really helped me see it clearly, it wasn't till I was well in my 30s and her name is Nicole Jeter West. And so I know that you know her, I know that you work with her. Um, Katie and she is um, somebody who's continued to pour into me, continued to support and amplify me. We all need advocacy, somebody who's in the room talking um, about you in the right way when you're not there. And for the first time in my life, I knew, that I, I knew that I had an advocate. There were times where I assumed and I hoped and I crossed my fingers that somebody was saying the right things. But she was the first time that I knew that when I left the room, she was advocating for me and it paid, um, you know, dividends and it still pays dividends today.
3: And, and I, I piggyback off of what, what Mickey's, what Mika is talking about in the sense of uh, one, having having mentors even now, right? Like I have probably a handful of mentors and they and they all look different. I have a mentor that's a white woman. Uh, Julie Yennechek, who who used to work at GMR and works at Lowe's. I've got uh, a, a gentleman named Reggie Bean, who most recently um, was at Coke. I mean, uh, one of the one of the the key people who was in my career was uh, a guy by the name of B.J. Evans, who's the director of communications for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And so um, he's he's probably the reason I'm in sports. I, I did my internship and and met him. And 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 to Tamika's point, he was one of only I believe two. Black men that were leading a PR department in the NBA at the time, which you would, you know, reflective of the on product. It's 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 always an anomaly for me, but uh, took me under his wing, and I'll never forget. Um, I, my internship was coming to an end, and through my internship journey, again, Mika alluded to this. There were there were students from, gosh, UNC, uh, uh, Auburn. Um, it, all over, all over the Southeast and up the East Coast of kids that, that were coming from Charlotte. And I remember specifically, there was another intern who, uh, th- this kid came from, from Auburn and was well off, just being honest, was well off. Um, and he was able to have an apartment for the summer. This was a summer internship. Have an apartment for the summer and not have to worry about anything, me at the other hand. I've got to have a part time job. I had a work study job on campus. I could not afford to not have either of those. So I would either have to come into the internship late because I worked earlier or I'd have to leave earlier because I had a later shift. And I always felt like I wasn't being seen. I felt like I wasn't being noticed because I would have to do all those things because I had to essentially put food on my own table and and just be able to have enough money to survive at that point. And so I just always felt like I wasn't being seen. No one's noticing me. And at the end of my internship, I go to B.J. and I'm like, hey, and he would always take me to lunch and always just imparting me whenever I had the time. But the time that I was there, I would always bust my behind to make sure that people saw me. And so I go to him at the end of my internship and I say, hey, um, I've already talked with my advisor. I can get additional credit. I can come back in the fall. Will you allow me to do that? And he said, why would I do that when I can hire you? And I worked my senior year at, when I was going to college at UNC Charlotte, I worked my senior year in the PR department, working game nights, getting paid for that, and then walked into a job full-time right after that, where there were hundreds of people who had applied, but because I had built this social capital, with BJ, because I had built social capital within the building, they were familiar with me, and I got that job. Going back on the other end of the spectrum, what Mika's talked about too is this, this this theory of social capital, right? And that is really where sports biz camps come into play, to where a kid like me, it is extremely difficult to get into a position like that. Mika may have had some social capital, right? Um, and I've, earned it over time but to have it some some people have it and they don't and where sports biz camps is falling or filling in the gap is we're providing that earlier we're trying to do this in high school to provide a ramp to even just give kids the awareness and then to get them in front of people to where all of that I had to build largely later in my 20s we're trying to do that with kids when they're 15 16 17 to where they're already light years ahead. we've got we've got kids in sports biz camp now. Uh, A girl named Sydney we got we got a kid named john that already know all this stuff way before I ever do to where they already have an advantage they've already built relationships they've already started to do. um, work in an industry they've got stuff on their resume they're building linkedin pages, all these things that. For me back then, they didn't exist and you have to work your way towards that's what we've been able to do now. So, yeah, for, for me, you have to ha- you have to have that in this industry. We all know that oftentimes when there is a job posting available is, hey, who do you know? I'll, oh, I'll send you an email. Connect with this person. That's that is how this industry works. And so to, to, to have that earlier is really one of the key tentacles of sports biz camps.
0: Gerard, you hit the, you hit the nail on the head. And I want to go to Pat because I think. Pat, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the fact that you need money to be able to do things, right? Like at the end of the day, uh, as Mika knows, revenue solves a lot of problems, but um, at the same time, time is just as valuable if not more. And I think the time that you can give to these students, the time that you can provide mentorship, the time that you're giving the opportunity to others in the industry to be able to do that as well, Pat, I think is invaluable. Um, and one of the things I want to understand from you is to that social capital point for that Gerard was making, I think it's it's crucial in that those understand a just like how to go about it and, and how you're trying to instill it early, but also is there a way in which you can advise others in the industry to help provide those to others? They don't have to be on a board of, of a nonprofit, they don't have to be on. In, involved in this, you know, maximum capacity, but even going and doing one speaking engagement might provide that insight to someone who, they may never even talk again uh, or or ever show up in that person's life, but they've maybe impacted them one way or another.
1: Yeah, and I kind of wanted to dovetail it in, into to Katie's question as well. So I think to, to address social capital and to address specifically what industry professionals can do, get involved and then get, in, get involved outside of your environment would be like my direct feedback. And I'll, I'll unpack that a little bit more. So Mika used a really good word that I think is important when we're contextualizing the social capital, which was like gravitate. So there are definitely systems in place in our society and in our industry that box people out like policies and walls that are built. And this isn't a conversation about that. That can be the next time we're on, we're on life in the front office. But when when you think about things that can break down those walls, it's this concept of social capital. So for instance, when I was a professor, I taught at a school, it's considered a PBI, it's predominantly black institution, but it's not an HBCU. And the majority of my class was either um, black or brown or female. And I would put on a networking event and you would watch it. I I saw this play out in front of my eyes. I would look at my network that I invited and then look at our students. And my network was all white dudes, predominantly white dudes. My students wouldn't, and you would see it like play out in front of you. And up until that time, I, because of where I, my background, I had no idea that, like, and I guess I knew our industry wasn't inclusive, but I wasn't dwelling on it. I wasn't thinking about it until I saw it play out in front of my eyes and I had to kind of unpack my pathway to the industry. I realized, like, oh, wow, I have at least one thing in common with every person that's lent me their social capital. And I call it the white guy slide. And Gerard has seen it. I'm not sure if Mika has seen it. And they're all good people. Like, if you can help me, you're a good person. You're a generous person, okay? But I had something in common with every single one of them. Apart from the fact that there were men and they were white. We either went to the same high school, went to the same college. We knew the same person here. We knew the same person there. Like, did they did they, did they help me exclusively because of that? I don't know. Did they block out other people because they didn't have that access? I don't think so. Did they gravitate towards helping me? Yes. So we have to buck that gravitation. And I, I would call it like the Tom's model. If you want to help out someone from your alma mater, awesome. Then find someone from an HBCU in your community. Find someone in a different region. Like jump on LinkedIn. Like I, I reach out to kids that don't look like me on college all the time and say, hey, congratulations on an internship. What can I do to help? Here's SBC. Or Mika and Gerard can speak to this. I connect them with Meek and Gerard or, or, so there's so many just basic things you can do, but you have to fight that initial gravitation, I guess I would say, to help people and be more inclusive in your approach. Katie, I want, I want to talk about the,
0: the giving component because I think it's, it's important to understand kind of where SBC is going, some of the initiatives that they have and, and how people can help. Um, and and ultimately how they can get involved, Pat. I think that's, you know, as you talked about, getting involved in your area or even, you know, digitally, right? Like you don't have to be physically somewhere to get involved as well. Um, Gerard, Mika, do you want to speak to any of the things you've got upcoming and kind of what you're working towards uh, as a whole?
3: Um, You know, I'd say, you know, we just came off of a, uh, a really cool, fundraiser event here in Charlotte where we were able to partner with an organization here that's largely leading a conversation about uh, uh, social mobility, which you know ties into social capital and to Pat's point. I mean, we, we could get real granular with that, but basically it is what I kind of alluded to before. In, in Charlotte, North Carolina, specifically this market, um, we're 50 out of 50 in upward mobility, which means if you're at its root, if you're born poor, here in Charlotte, you're more likely to stay poor than in any other um, major metropolitan city in the in the country. That's not to mean that you know city number 49. I have no idea what it is is doing any better. It's really it really conceptualizes kind of where our cities and towns are to where you have pockets of Black, Brown um, populations and communities that that never move past because a huge reason and there's a lot of under other underlying factors housing workforce development, all these things, but but also a key indicator um, that we're talking about with sports biz camps is largely around, again, building social capital. How do you introduce kids to what Pat's talking about? You where you have, and I have seen it, right? I've, I've gone to, to different functions to where you have kids who look one way and then industry professionals who, who look another. And this isn't a black, white thing whatsoever. It's more, of a, it's more of a socioeconomic thing to where it's hard to relate to someone who maybe doesn't know where you've come from, who maybe doesn't have the life experiences. And when you try to strike a common ground, it becomes a little bit difficult. And so when I've been able to do that, clearly you know, I, when I share my story or I'm able to um, network, I built that rapport and that's really ultimately what we've been able to do so yeah with sports biz camps you know we've been able to do an event like that where we literally talk about hey here's what's going on here's what here's what mobility looks like and here's how the sports industry can get involved and i just echo what pat says i think one of the biggest things that that we need right now is just people to get involved right to to be able to leverage whether you work for a team, whether you work for an agency, whether you work for you know, w- wherever it is you are on your journey just be able to step outside of yourself. Um, Pat said you leverage yourself outside the building, but I'd say leverage the building too, right? Like how can you bring people inside to see, to see how it's made, to see how it works? You can't be what you can't see is, is often a, a phrase that I've heard. And, and And it's true. I go back to my story. I didn't see this So how the heck was I supposed to aspire to work in sports if I had no idea that these kind of opportunities exist? So you can play a part in that. And then the second thing too is, let's be honest, Sports Biz Camps is a nonprofit. We need those dollars enabled for... These programs to continue to manifest. You know, you can go on our website. You can, um, you know, you can get plugged into these different fundraising events that we'll continue to have. But but we need the dollars in order to have the different market activations that we have to where we can scale beyond um, Charlotte and some of the other places where we've been able to do some work um, to continue a lot of the the online um, curriculums that we've been able to do. So we need your time, but we also need your dollars.
2: I love that. That is a perfect setup and layup. Um, of course, when we, you know, post this episode, we'll make sure to um, direct everyone to the sports biz camps website. Um, but as a personal, very small donor myself, um, I mean, it's probably equivalent to one or two of these coffees in my hand and it goes, uh, does tremendous good, um, far greater than what you the impact it has on your wallet. And so, um, Mika, I have one last question for you. You know, Gerard's talking about the things that Sports Biz Camps is doing now and sitting on this board as a true visionary, um, as a you know chief uh, revenue officer um, and someone who obviously has a, a, a perspective on dollars. Um, you know, when you're thinking about the vision and the future of Sports Biz Camps, what are you hoping to see? And how are you going to play a role in that?
4: Um, wow, that's a big question. Um, um... But an important one, you know, for me it's it, it, Pat has such an uh, an amazing story because he's lived it. You know, he's seen in front of his eyes the disparity between people who look like me and people who look like him him in an industry we all love. Um, and for me, you know, you, you oftentimes and listen, let's be right about it. I live in Minneapolis. The spark that broke the camel's back was a few miles from this condo that I'm in. And so there is a responsibility that's doubled down coming out of this community. And so, you know, what I want is is for people who don't like me to see me and see that the path that I've had the journey to get to where I am is wildly different riddled with so many different hurdles, you know, with in the intention to sort of support that because donating to sports biz camps, in my opinion, means that you understand that the path that I forged to be where I am is unlike yours. Um, And you, you, you want to invest in people who look like me. Um, And because it's so critical to how we grow this industry and let's be right about it. Fandom um, it is, Is changing, you know, it's more diverse than it ever has been. And we're heading down a path where it will continue to be. And so if you don't have people in the front office who understand those communities and the communities we serve and how to bring them into the fold of the business business we love, there's a real sort of what I'll call revenue risk on the back end of that. And so there's a couple of things at play. One, it's investment. I mean, you can't do what we do without the financial backing to do it. Um, but beyond that, it's it's brand recognition. You know, people need to know about us, um, and I don't think nearly enough people do. And then I would love to see a world where we are educating and and putting our curriculum in schools and in communities all over this country. And you know, I want to go out into my community and see people learning about the business of sports in the most, you know, underserved to the most served populations in this community and believing that this is an opportunity for them. And what I oftentimes say, because I get calls, I think, every single day from multiple executives, I get, if I listed them here, there'd be people you guys would all know, how do we attract more talent and um, in, in black and brown and female talent? And I, in my comments always, people don't want to go work in a place where no one like them has made it To the top of the mountain because they don't believe it's possible. You know, how can I aspire to be something I've never seen? So you want me to come work in this organization, yet you've never promoted or empowered somebody who looks like me. And not everybody wants to be a crusader. So, how do we start to build those people from the ground up and, and advance them and expose them within the industry we love to attract talent in and then retain it? And so, this plays an important part in that ecosystem. But what we need right now is awareness, and we need to raise the capital to do more of what we're doing in more communities around this country. So, in 10 years and 20 years, when I'm no longer in this chair, it, there is plenty of talent in the pool to sort of come into some of these roles and lead from the front and bring in more talent and over time we'll see the disparity close
3: and and let me let me uh i want to i want to follow up and and really drill in one thing that that mika just said too like we need the dollars to continue some of the program and the impact that we're having i want to share really quick over the last two years we've had almost 800 high school and college students participating in the programs 130 a little over 130 have enrolled in ongoing development programs through sports biz camps a little over 30 of those high school alumni have now enrolled in college and we've got 10 of our alumni that are working in sports i mean when you just think of the continuation of the of the funnel of those numbers it it may seem small when you first hear it but it's really huge right we got 400 professionals that are within our network from over two hundred organizations that have already volunteered their time with students, we've had over sixty-six thousand in college scholarships awarded to over a hundred of those students, and and we're continuing to raise money. Right, we've raised a little over half of a million dollars, but we need more to continue to pour into and and, and double this impact or triple this impact because ultimately, you know from from my vantage point, I want to shift the narrative, um, you know, as someone who has grown up, um, you know, in a, in a in a hardship community right to who who didn't come with a silver spoon in his mouth. mouth. by no means I also don't want to paint this picture like I was just completely dirt poor that's not it but I, I definitely grew up without but oftentimes in these communities and then when you are when you are black when you're when you're brown sometimes when you when when you are when you're a woman you don't always see yourself represented or you see a misrepresentation or a, you know I have to be a rapper I got to be a ball player. And those things are great. I played sports. It kept me out of a lot of trouble. But it's also how do we create these pathways to where we can have young kids talking about I want to I want to be the general manager of the Carolina Panthers. I want to be, you know, the, the the president of the Minnesota Twins. You know, what what does that look like and I really do think we can help shape these narratives. We we we've begun, you know, to to build these relationships with with school districts to, to where mika alluded to like how do we have you know long-term game or north star how do we have curriculum in every single high school right i i think that it is very much achievable we've we made an amazing headway and we've made great strides but the work continues to to be done and so we need you know professionals we need people who are listening to this podcast to be able to invest their time and, and invest their dollars into what we're doing Gerard, you can-
2: it kind of, it any better. I was just going to say one quick thing you know for you talk about this funnel of amazing numbers I think the cool part about sports biz camps is it's not necessarily about the outcome it's about the journey as you said this ongoing programming regardless of if they end up working in sports the work that they've done the hours they put in the social capital that they've gained the relationships that they gain, gained regardless of where they end up in their professional career I think that you guys are doing the really great work so Jake sorry over to you
0: no, I was just going to say, I mean, I think Pat like gets a perfect example. There's plenty of people who start out in sports. They stay in sports their whole career. There's some who start out, they go into something different. There's some people who start out in a totally different world and then they make their way into sports. Right. And then, so I think that there's a different journey, different path for everybody. I want to wrap up with this one last thing, because Mika uh, made a point earlier that you can't do it alone. Right. Every, everybody needs help somehow, some way, and, and it comes in a lot of different shapes and sizes. Um, if you could think about one word for 2022 as it, as it's, you know, upon us already, which Holy crap. But uh, if you could think about one word for someone who's listening to think about how they may be able to help someone else uh, in this next year, what would it be? Pat, I'm putting you on the spot. I thought you were putting Mika on the spot. <laughs> she gets to go last. Um.
1: I have to pick one word? One word. Can I give you like a, a, a quote? Bro, he said sure. one word. Sure. <laughs> I, would, I would say investment. Anything, anything or, or, for you. Anything the for word you. that uh, clearly I'm partial. The word I would say is investment. Gerard? Uh,
3: I'll use this word because I've been thinking about this word. It's for me, but I think it, it'll help someone else's fearless. Be, be intentionally who you are supposed to be. Um, step out who you are, tell your story um you know r- r- roger lane use your abilities um say what's on your mind within reason right or, you know to, to not damage someone but but be fearless
0: katie we, gotta um, let, we got we'll let we'll let Mika take it home
2: big i'll take it home. my word's actually going to be blind spot I think it was either Pat or Mika that talked earlier about recognizing the ways in which you're already invested and the groups that you already gravitate towards, recognizing your blind spot and really investing there would probably be mine.
4: Um, Mine would, without a doubt, be impact. Um, We have a responsibility to make an impact in the communities we serve. Um, And none of this is about the glory awards and all that stuff is great but if you're not making an impact, what are you doing it for? And so I would question and, and, and encourage everyone to look at themselves and say, what impact am I making in the community that I serve? And if, if you can't find a definitive answer, I think you've got some homework to do.
1: And if, if I could piggyback on that, and this is our, our last word is, is impact doesn't happen overnight, right? That's my word was an investment. A lot of people wanna help, And a lot of people will sit down with a student and they think that like, oh my God, the student's all totally great. I had a conversation with that kid. Like they're all set to go for the rest of your life. Like it doesn't work like that, bro. Like I I have a student that I've been working with for five years and he just now thanked me like weeks ago for things that I shared with him back in 2018 and they're now starting to click. So if, if you want the now to change, if you want the future to change, if you want to make impact, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen short term, it requires investment. And if, if you don't want to wake up in five or six years as, as a leader in this industry and be trying to address the same problems you're, you're addressing now, then you need to invest and you need to follow the process and continue to invest. And that's how you make true impact. It's not a transaction. And I think the more that we all can start to recognize that, particularly folks and leaders in our industry, who I know have immediate needs and they've got numbers they have to hit and all that stuff. But you need to create the future you have the opportunity to create the future Uh, and ultimately that that future should be one of impact and and that needs to start today for the 16 year olds that don't see themselves don't understand the pathway
0: well pat we all invest in ourselves right and so but you got to invest in others in order to um, help each other along the way. Cause again, like Mika said, you can't do it all by yourself. So really appreciate, uh, your time, thoughts, perspectives, uh, around sports biz camps and, uh, giving Tuesday really appreciate Katie pulling the series together. Um, and excited to have you on as a co-host for this and, um, Pat, Gerard, Mika, Katie, thank you again. And, uh, go to the episode description for more on the links and social handles on where to follow sports biz camps, how you can donate not only the dollars, but your time as well.